Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John Melson IV. On this episode, I'm chatting with Ferdua or Dua of new crack swing band Bad Rabbits. We talk a bit about the band, the Boston hardcore scene, and other topics. We're taking a street level in this episode, so if you're offended by language, okay. So, how's it looking on your end? It's good, man. Cool. Um, Massachusetts, right? Yeah, um, Boston by way of Weymouth, Massachusetts. Um, that's where that's where I was born and raised, and uh, that's what I'm a product of. Uh, Boston, uh, uh, Massachusetts, Massachusetts public schooling. Hmm. Yeah, nice. You know? Um, so what was the music scene like there? Because when I think of Boston, I think of actually three things. I think of well, the first thing I think of is uh, New Edition. The second thing I think of is new. Actually, four things: New Kids on the Block as well. Um, the third thing is Boston Hardcore, and the fourth is wait is is uh, Dropkick Murphys from over there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what was that scene kind of like? Um, the hardcore scene was more inclusive, um, but you didn't see a lot of black kids in the hardcore scene. Um, I, I threw myself in there in and out because I, I, I would pick and choose my, my times to like enjoy or like, or even show up to shows. Um, so I was never really in the scene like that, but when I was there, I would see a couple black kids in there. Um, but I was more into metal and like the shows that we did here in our area. Um, I was literally one of the only black kids. Um, then there's, you know, Salim and Shield. They both came up in that scene too. So we would cross paths, but we never really actually, didn't, we actually didn't cross paths musically or cross friendships or make friendships um, until uh, the early 2000s. Like in the 90s, like, you know, 1999, 1998, like battle the bands. We probably passed each other, but we never really, you know, knew each other until until we went to college. Um, but yeah, the scene, the scene was, it, the Boston hardcore scene was always kind of like complex, but not complex. They didn't like racist, but they still were subtly racist. Um, you know, they didn't like Nazis, but they were racist in a sense. Uh, some of them. I'm not going to say all of them. Um, but, you know, other than that, the, the scenes were all all segregated into sections. And hip-hop, Black music, was always in a corner, in a box, and there was always a certain place that, that, that it existed. So it, was, it, was, it was very, it was very, there was a lot of, like, unseen and, like, unheard segregation. Just kind of go by feel or by nuance, you understand. You know, even though there isn't a no colors allowed sign here, you can kind of see where the sign needs to be, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I knew what shows I was gonna get into a fight in. I knew what shows that I wasn't that I was gonna be welcome in. I knew shows I wasn't welcome at all. So I just can't get over the idea of a Boston hip hop scene, actually, because I know it exists. <laughs> You know, it exists, but it was underground always. It was just three or four venues in the city. What rappers come out of there? Because there's only one guy I can think of. Guru? No, nah, actually, it's more embarrassing. Oh, Benzino? No, nah, um, a little bit better. John Cena. 
Yeah, just see the got bars. Just see the had a few bars. That one song he did right now was a dope beat. It was a dope beat that he rapped over. Um, but all right, there's there's Mr. Lith, there's Acrobatic, there's Ed OG, who is a legend, a Boston legend, and Guru from Gangstar, who is a Boston legend. Uh, even though Gangstar officiated or grew up uh, or like you know were, were more popular in New York. At that time, New York was a place to be for hip hop, but the scene in Boston was, you know, Ed OG, Mr. Lift, Acrobatic, uh, my boy Mo Pope. Uh, he used to be in a crew called Mission. Um, who else? Uh, damn, Lakeith just messaged me. That was weird. Um, he can hear us. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Oh, was that a message or was that a call? Oh, that was a call. I was like, what the heck? Sorry. Um, uh, who else? Who else am I thinking of? I mean, the scene was very small. And then it's just a, 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 a collection of underground groups like my homies Retrospect, um, uh, Headshots. So the scene the scene is kind of, it's it's small, but not small. I mean, now it's kind of bigger. You know, you got, you got Dutch Rebel, you got... My homegirl, Oompa, who is like my biggest fan. I love her. I'm her biggest fan. And then Cliff Notes. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different um, acts now. But back then, there was only maybe five or six really good ones that would open up for people. And now there's like, you know, it's, it's a bigger it's a bigger pot. More talent. And it got blacker as well. The city got the city got blacker. So the music got blacker. It's more soulful, more, 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 more in tune with, with, with the, uh, with the pulse of black music around the, co- around the country and the globe. All right. Because I'm actually embarrassed to realize I didn't realize because I heard of Mr. Life, right? But I didn't Mr. know Lift? Mr. Lift. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. bad. Because I've, I've seen the name more than actually heard it spoken because yeah. he was on Definitive Jux, right? Yep. I remember him in the Definitive Swim comp and I was like, this motherfucker got bars right here. Um, it's crazy. I know, right? Crazy. And um, I'm so embarrassed because I forgot Guru was from Massachusetts. I forgot. Yeah, it's all good. A lot of people. I didn't know Guru was from Massachusetts until I looked in the Gangstar. Um, like I was, I was in the Gangstar in high school, and then I didn't really like know anything about them until like my second year in college. So, you know, you, you know, you don't lose, you don't lose any, only any, any points for that. Okay. Yeah, you good. Nice. All right. So, musically, biggest influences on you? Biggest influences on me musically throughout my life. HR, um, Angelo from Fishbone, as much as he, like, me and him don't vibe as much as we used to. Because um, it was, yeah, it, I don't think he holds a grudge with me, but I think he just kind of, he has his crazy moments and it kind of irks me. But um uh Angelo was a big influence for me. Sly Stone, a very big influence on me. Prince, a very big influence on me. Um Zach De La Roca, um, he kind of fueled my 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 rebellion, my rebellious talk and my rebellion, my 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 leftist ideologies, I owe to him. Oh yeah. All right. Um, now, we're, who else are we talking about here? That very CeeLo, 
he was another musical influence throughout. Um, I said HR, Tom York and Damon Albarn. I love them. I love I love Damon Albarn. I love Tom York. I love Radiohead. Um, Black Thought, Mostef, or Yasin Bey. Um, those those are all really my biggest um, my biggest influences in my life musically. Um, and Jay Dilla for production reasons because I want to be a producer. <laughs> so list. yeah. It's, it's, it's a big list, but those are those are people. But the, the first couple, the first four people are the ones that are most the most important. Like Sly Stone, I I I pray that man lives forever, or at least my lifetime, so I don't have to see him go. Cause he was he's a big musical influence on me. I love I love everything he does. Everything. Oh yeah. That's my dad's idol, actually. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I actually met his daughter. Um I think I'm yeah, I met her on Warp Tour 2015. Uh, because she had a band and was on Warp Tour on the same stage that we were on uh 2014. And I didn't know that was her father until I followed her back on Instagram. And I'm like, yo, this girl looks exactly like she looks exactly like Sly Stone, her smile and everything. And then she posted a picture of her and her dad. And I lost it. But I think to this day, I don't think she understands she knows. Her name's Navina, uh, Navina Caramo. I don't know if that's what she goes by on Instagram now, but she, she, uh, she's beautiful and she's a great singer and great performer as well. What's the music like? Um, it was a mix. I can't remember most of it because <laughs> it was 2015. But um, she was she was really she was really she was really different. And I think she DJs now too. Pretty sure she DJs now. A lot of them have evolved and have a lot of them have gone into DJing. I noticed yeah. that. I'm actually learning how to do that too. That's something I'm trying to figure out since I was like 14. It's easy now. It's 2021, man. Like everybody can do anything if you put your mind to it. You watch enough tutorials, you'll you know you'll get to it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how that's how I got into production. I used to learn. I used to make beats when I was when I was in high school and college, but I didn't really focus on it that much until until about like maybe five. Oh no, maybe ten years ago. And um, I owe it. I owe my knowledge to YouTube. Oh yeah, YouTube yeah. is a game changer. And mm-hmm. in fairness, I'm more of a mashup guy. Okay. Like I fucking love doing mashups. Like I just got back into it. Like oh, yeah. you just hear so much shit over time, and you realize, oh shit, that's in the same damn key. Mm-hmm. Like I did a mashup of that um song, um you got me by the Roots, right? And I realized something. It's in the same key of Hotel California. Oh yeah. So I found the acapella for Hotel California, right? And it worked really well. I do a fuck ton of editing though, but it worked pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. And um like even with like certain songs where I might I might not fuck with a certain song, but I'm like the acapella's pretty nice, so I'll grab that. Like um I'll put it this way, I have like a love hate relationship with Paramore. Like I could totally geek out with um the lead singer, um I'm blanking out on her name right now. Haley. Haley. Yeah. Yeah. Haley. Because I was thinking like, no, it's not Haley because it's Eminem's daughter. Well, yeah, it, it is Haley. Yeah. Haley Williams. Yeah. 
It is Haley Williams. And like I found this I'm on this weird Japanese like funk R and B kick, right? I found like the perfect backing track from that, right? So did a match with that. It just came out perfectly. Same thing with um that song John Redcore by the Dune Sir. And it's in the same key as Snuff by Slipknot. And Wait, the song the song by Sir? Yeah, uh, John Redcorn. I never heard it. Um the video actually kind of went viral, even because it was, it was styled like um, King of the Hill, and the creator Mike Judge was fucking with it. He was like, "Yo, I'm digging this, right?" So I found the instrumental for that, and I found the acapella for "Snuff" by Slipknot, and I'm realizing Corey Taylor could have been a damn R&B singer if he wanted to. <laughs> like it was kind of creepy how well it worked. You know. How it goes. All right. So, but interesting enough. Good about bad rabbits the band grew out of a grew out of a collective right yeah grew out of a collective of um uh we had a 10 member band before we were bad rabbits and it was a mix of soul music hip-hop funk rock i was literally trying to start a sly and the family song like a boston version of that but like heavier but it just turned into like this weird funky rap stuff and it was too many cooks in the kitchen, too many egos, and we had to cut it down. Always. And then Bad Rabbits, Bad Rabbits appeared. All right, elephant in the room. Was there any kind of influence on main condition? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. With with Bad Rabbits, yes, because we were listening to main condition a lot, and main condition had just come out with that live CD from the 930 Club. And they like I I was all about it. So yeah, Mint Condition was a big was a big um was a big influence on, on the band. Oh yeah. Cause I was thinking like, yo, this is like a heavy version of Mint Condition. I'm like, this is fucking dope when I first heard it. You know? And, and, and one day we're gonna get back to that. Right now we're right now I I'm I'm sitting on a shit ton of heavier songs that I haven't written to because I'm so dealing with the death of my dad. I'm trying to process oh, things. Oh, shit. My condolences. Yeah my, yeah, my dad died a year ago yesterday. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a big blow. It was a big blow on my life. And it, it, it's hard to write sometimes. So my band members, Bat Rabbits, at least, were very understanding about shit. And um, they, they kind of, like, just leave me alone until I'm ready to go. So... I'm going to I'm going to come back and I'm going to come back hard with some new stuff, but it probably won't be for another month or so when I actually get back in the studio and start writing again. So okay, so the bad EP that was like one of the first released from Bad Rabbits, right? Mm-hmm. What were the sessions like? Oh, they were just quick. They were there. We were in. I can't remember where we recorded it at. So long ago. Um, but they were, they were just, um, some demo songs that we really, like, we just would jam the fuck out of all the time. And, um, you know, they, we just recorded them and that was basically to get us, you know, to get, to get us like in the door, we'll get our foot out there get people to see us. And then right after that, we wrote, she's bad. And that was the song that everybody liked. Oh yeah. Because it was funky and danceable. Yes. And then Can't Back Down also came out of nowhere. And that was 
that was literally the um that was the straw that broke the camel's back for all of us. Everybody fucking loved it. So we just kind of went with it, went with that, went with that idea, went with that flow. But so the the bad EP was just or the bad demo was just um just something to just you know get our get us out there. And then I think the the yeah, well the bad EP was the bad demo. And then after that was uh, stick up kids. Yes. I used to remember blasting the shit at it, you know, because here's the deal. All right. There was a time I just refused to listen to anything close to R&B and y'all are the ones that kind of <laughs> got me back into it. Let me tell you the reason why it's an embarrassing story, because I had to literally hear like a Cisco's cover of that song from Ada for like 17 hours on a road trip mm. from Florida to Maryland. Oh, and nice. it's a, it's a lot. That's another weird long story. Bottom line is I couldn't listen to anything close to that sound if it didn't if it wasn't heavy as fuck i didn't want to hear it period you know mm-hmm. so either way when i heard stick up kids i was like i'm like i want to fucking do the running man to this shit <laughs> like, god damn <laughs> and i'm like that's funny shit because i was like it, it slowly got me back like i didn't even listen to deftones i'm gonna tell you the truth because i was like okay this sounds too close to r&b this is like this is r&b for kids that wore junkos I mean, Deftones is like the Radiohead for hardcore kids, pretty much. That's how I feel. I'm Here's just kind of, I'm just kind of staring off into the distance right now because it makes so much goddamn sense. Fuck, fuck with you, it. Fuck with you. Yeah, it did. Let that sit. Let, let that let that sit with you for some for some time. I'm just doing like the weird stare off mm-hmm. into the sun right now because that doesn't make fuck so fucking sense of the world right now. It I'm, totally I'm just saying. Does. I'm just saying. I feel like. Everybody likes Deftones, and if you're hardcore, like you like Deftones, but it's like a, a, a guilty pleasure. So you have to mask it with, you know, describing how they sound, and that's the best way to do it is is just by saying, you know, the Radiohead for hardcore people. Just like how we're dance, just like how we're Bad Rabbits is dance music for hardcore kids. It it's really is. It's a fact. I've said this. I don't know. I I never I never coined it. I never coined it. But I definitely would tell people, I'm like, yeah, we're dance music for hardcore kids. Because every everybody everybody who's a who's a diehard fan of ours literally comes from a heavy heavy music heavy music background. It really is. I mean, when I think about it, like, okay, um, Chromex, we got to know, right? If you listen closely, yeah. it almost sounds like a go-go beginning, but the drummer couldn't figure out how to do it right. Mm-hmm. Like, we got to know sounds like Trouble Funk going in a heavy direction. Mm-hmm. That's what it always reminded me of, you know. Shit, that I was thinking like. Also, I was thinking when I first heard Deftones, I was like, okay, this sounds like Sade a little bit too. Yeah, well, they they've covered Sade actually too. They did, and that's what really won me. That's what helped win me over. Those two things. Mm-hmm. It was that my buddy Danielle and she played me Knife Party right, and I was like, this is fucking amazing. <laughs> Shit, yeah. you know. But yeah, speaking of which, Bad Rabbits covered 1979 by Smashing Pumpkins and also Sex Day by Deftones. Did diversional bands ever get win? Uh, Chino um, was already cool with us because we had tried to do it. Well, we did a song with him and Teddy Riley um, that has yet to see the light of day. But we, we, we buddied, we cronied with him and, uh, and, and, and the guys from Deftones. Everybody in Deftones knows bad rabbits and they like us and chino when he first heard it he was like you could have sang it better that was the first thing he said to me 
He's like, I would have sang it like this, but you could have sang it better. And that would, to me, was like the ultimate nod because he literally listened to me. He didn't like, you know, just give me some generic, oh, that's cool. He literally straight up looked me in the face and said, you could have sang it better. And I was just like, man, it's right. That shit stayed with me. I didn't think he hated me or anything. That stayed with me. Low key, the black version is always better. Hmm? Low key, the black version of a song is always better. Yeah, yeah, it's always better. And he he was he was looking for some, he was looking for some. He, he I bet he he was thinking I was gonna go like super soul on it. And I, I I really I didn't I didn't know how to because that wasn't my that wasn't my song that I wanted to cover. There's so many other songs that I like I to this day I still can't think of a song that I really want to cover. You know what I'm saying? So but Smashing Pumpkins, I'm pretty sure uh, somebody from Smashing Pumpkins retweeted or posted it on their website. Posted a link to the cover on their website a long time ago. But I don't fuck, I don't fuck with Smashing Pumpkins like that, mainly Billy Corgan because he's a Trump supporter. Can't rock with that shit. Another controversial question. What was it like working work with Teddy Riley, though? Awesome and awful. Um, awesome part was he was extremely talented and brought the best out of every last person that recorded with him. That's, that's the awesome part about him. The awful part about him is that he's extremely paranoid and it can be, um, it can be a, a strain on, on, on the creative process. Um, he can be very divisive too. Um, when we worked with him, it was a bit of those uh, things that kind of, irked me but i continued working with him um i was on some f teddy riley for a long period of time i'm not like that now because I'm trying to find god and uh i'm not i don't think that's a godly thing to do or, or or a righteous thing to do is to just get on this nigga for his past actions so um i will say that teddy riley was is is a great artist but he is very hard to work with on a scale of one to Phil Spector, how bad was it? Oh, it was like a four. Okay. It wasn't Phil Spector crazy. Right. No, no, no. I would never liken him to Phil Spector. Right. I would say it was like maybe a four or five. Um, but uh it wasn't it wasn't any it wasn't some shit where I was just like, yo, I never want to see this guy again. It was just more like, yo why did he just make all these promises that he couldn't keep? I got you. All right. Um, only thing I know about him is under any circumstances, if he's playing guitar hero, let him win. It's kind of fascinating where when I think of like bands, okay. You ever think they're like certain bands are doing similar things at the same goddamn time. Um, I'm trying to think there's, I mean, there's always a, a lot of bands like that in the, in the hardcore scene or metal scene. Yeah, but like with us, I think the only people that were doing it or trying to do it like us was Bruno Mars's band. Oh shit, you're right. Yeah, what do you think of Silk Sonic, by the way? It's fire. I fuck with it. It was better I mean, than it's expected. Just, yeah, I mean, if we wanted to do some stuff like that, we could have. But I mean, it probably wouldn't have been, you know, promoted on the scale that this was or uh, the Silk Sonic was. It's a dope, it's a dope project, very dope project. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say not not to listen to it. 
but when I first heard the name, I thought they're going to sound like Chromio for real. Uh huh. I thought they're going to do some Chromio shit for real. Like this kind of caught me off guard. All right, are you familiar with a band called The Smirk? Ha, <laughs> my boys. Because I was thinking, all right, The Smirk has an R and B sound, but the Bad Bad Rabbit is more of a more of a new jack swing influence i was wondering like you know did they ever cross paths did did, did the smirk and bad rabbits ever cross paths yeah we toured together i mean we're not toured but we played a bunch of shows together those are my boys deron is a good friend of mine deron actually when we were on um uh deron from the smirk when we were on uh jimmy kimmel he was the backing singer him and noni kai from my old band the collective they both were background singers um, for us when Bad Rabbits uh, played uh, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Craig Ferguson, the Craig Ferguson show. Um, they were both, uh, he was, he was a, he was a big part of that. So we were very tight. Our styles are are similar, but the, the difference between me and uh, Duran is Duran is a more seasoned singer. He can do everything. He has a crazy range, whereas I have a like a, a weird like rock range where it wasn't really trained. He was trained, like he's like he's 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 a maverick on all ends. I'm just I'm just somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Fool the shit out of me. See, that's funny. I mean, I, I think I mean I'm just really humble when I when I talk about my singing style. And, and when I'm comparing it to other people, especially other people that are that are really good or better than me, because there are notes that that Duran can hit. For example, the end of Jason Todd. You ever heard that song? Yes, bro. The ending that he does, I still to this day cannot get that high. Because I have the range of a farting bullfrog, actually. Oh, that's it. That's. That's a that's a that's an interesting, interesting range, bro. I it's we'll not try that out. I've tried it. It's not much <laughs> I can really do with it because it just sounds like I'm in some post punk band. Hey. Like hey, that, that always that always works. Look at gorillas. Yeah, for the stuff I wanted to do, and yeah, never comes out right. It's weird. I have like a voice suited for jazz and country. You know, hey, like the thing the thing about thing about now is it's like it's never too late to just mix up things. You know what I'm saying? And with Deron. I have to bring it back to him because he always wowed me. Because he looked like a he like he looked like an Egyptian god on stage. That's no homo. That's just me saying it. Man would take off his shirt on stage and piss me clean off. Cause I got an ab. He got a whole like washboard on his on on his on his on his stomach. I forgot all about that. And then he's out here wailing. And I always thought motherfuckers with guts were the ones who had the better, the better diet. Yeah, yeah. This man sang circles around me one show. Like it, it was, it was. I was almost like, damn. There's no reason why he sh- like we we are opening, or we are closing the show. He should be opening. Like he's that good. I, 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 I'll I'll say it to his face. I said that he's a better singer than me, and he he literally is. We've gotten arguments about it. Like I'm like dog. I can't even. I'll never get to your level. He's like you are on my level. I'm like nope, I never will be. This is this is what we are. That's how we are. Yeah, shine in the dark. You ever just been called Black Angel Down? No. 
Imagine Allison Chains if Prince was fronted it. Here's the reason why. Nokia from Drew Hill, right? He's the lead singer. Mm-hmm. He's actually a really Wait, big what? rock. Yeah, he's actually a really big rock guy. That's how we actually kind of bonded. I'm a really big thank you. One's for him um, back in 2009, kind of giving me a little encouragement for dude Jenny and Stecno. I probably wouldn't have been, um, technically, probably be doing this because the reason I'm doing this right now is because the band got put on hold because of 2020, the pandemic. You know? Wow. So, in a crazy ass way, you know, he's a big bad brains guy. Also loves Fishbone, you know. Oh yeah. And um, actually, Cisco really, actually, one of the biggest influences for Drew Hill was actually Queen. Like they love their harmonies. You know, in fact, I have some, I have some footage of them doing Bohemian Rhapsody, and I'm like, Loki, I kind of like their version better. <laughs> like they did it justice. You know, like Cisco oh. actually made it his own, and I'm, I was impressed by that. You know. You know, all right. So I remember, I do remember seeing it because I remember seeing the flyer art for this. You did a show with Bad Brains, right? In Atlanta, right? Did a show with Bad Brains in Atlanta? Yeah, it was Bad Rabbits and Bad Brains. I remember seeing like footage. I remember seeing like, I never saw footage, I remember seeing like logos for it though. I don't remember this. God damn it. No, that, 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 that had to have been a joke because dog, I would remember that. Motherfucker. No, it never happened. We played Afropunk. Well, I, I was invited to Afropunk when Bad Brains was there. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. All right, Mandela effect like a motherfucker. Yep, yep, because I was about to say, like, there's no way, dog. I would have had pictures. We we played with Fishbone as uh, as Eclectic Collective. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a picture of me and Salim and, and Angelo. It was the best day of my life. Best day of my life. Yeah. What was back in Slick Rick like? Amazing. It was it was everything you would expect, in a sense. Actually, no, no. It would, it would be everything that a, that a touring a touring musician would expect. Like just someone who's down to earth. He's down to earth. He chilled. He didn't talk too much, but when he talked, everybody listened. And he was just a very, very interesting guy. It was always fun, and uh, his DJ was was a was was a was a great person. And um, his wife was also his manager. She was a great person. And it was just us three dealing with him. I mean, it was our, our band and them three dealing with us, and it was just perfect. It was a match made in heaven. Until we started getting more shows, and we changed up to Bad Rabbits. We couldn't tour with them anymore because we we cut our band down. Oh, okay. He found a different band. But touring with Slick Rick, uh, not touring, but doing shows with Slick Rick was, was Chef's Kiss. Sweet. I have nothing bad. I can never say anything bad about those nights. Those those are some of my greatest nights. Dope. Hmm. So tell us more about X-Genre. X-Genre is just basically, um, it's just a mix of like heavy music a little bit of hip hop, a little bit of R&B, a little bit of even, even like a sprinkle of pop just to get that effect. Yeah. But uh, it's different. It's different. It's very different. Um, it's just, it's just like heavy. It's, it's heavier thought music, you know, something to chill, chill to, but you might even want to like throw fists to, you know what I'm saying? You might run to it. You might jog to it. You might dance to it, but it's a different, it's a different vibe. But X Genre is the other project that I'm working on besides Bad Rabbits. And then I have 
my whole um, solo project that I'm still working on. And I have um, I have a beat tape that I'm working on coming out soon. But all this is going to come out in 2021. Cool. What's, what's your creative process? Is it different per project or is it different a per project? All right. It's different per project. But for Bad Rabbits is everybody kind of writes and I'm not there or I'm there and I'm trying to write something or I just chill out and let everybody do their thing. And then I come back to it. I get in the studio and push out some lyrics uh, or, you know, I'll push out some lyrics when they're writing the song um, with my beats. You know, I start off with either a drum beat or maybe a melody. Um, but my solo stuff, it it's like my solo stuff is more so me by myself so I can just literally create and keep moving. So sometimes I'll write a whole verse and a chorus and then move that to the side and do something totally different and make a whole new song and then write that whole song out and then go right back to my old song. So the process is very, very jarbled, very, very, very different. What do you think like the next wave of rock is? You know, because I have a, because th- what I kind of called was kind of call back to maybe like in 2012, I like in eight years when we see a lot more black and brown acts and country and rock. But I'm like, the one thing I didn't guess was I didn't think it was going to have more hip hop influence though. I didn't realize that, you know, that's the part. I, I, I knew hip hop was going to be influenced on all, on, on everything because hip hop is, is ever evolving and ever changing. The original hip hop will never, will never come back. And the hip hop that we knew when we were growing up will never come back. We'll have albums that hint to it. We'll have albums that'll make it nostalgic, but then it'll never make it make you know that that headway that it did for us when we were kids. Um, with rock though, and black people and brown people in rock music, I see that more so now. I think it's a cooler thing, a more hipper thing, to be a black or brown person, a person of color, doing rock music because people or society especially american society has made it white when in reality we all know it's not and that's why the appeal is so crazy now because people um black and brown people are realizing their roots and they're realizing that they come from this they realize that they're born from the guitar they're born from rock and roll and they're just getting back into it and doing and doing a better job with it than some of these white, their white counterparts. So I feel like we're going to see a lot more color from heavier bands. And it's just, it's just gonna keep going. It's just gonna be, keep going. I mean, 2044, the white people are gonna be majority in America. So you're going to see, you're going to see more black people, more brown people, more Asian people, more indigenous people on stage screaming jumping around singing dancing doing whatever and it's going to probably be all in the name of rock and roll it's it's a state of we're reclaiming it i can we're see slowly that. reclaiming it i can see that because and they are fighting like tooth and nail in the guitar roll comment section to hold on to it like yeah and it's i put it this way like um you know what it's kind of funny how like damn near whenever it's like a black rock act unless they're already known but it's like a new one Almost everybody that wishes they were David Gilmore have some slick shit to say. 
like um unlocking the truth they always say some oh unlocking unlocking the truth is big they have some weird slick shit to say um my buddy uh gabby logan um she just um made you know say she's flipping the bird you didn't complain when johnny cash or lemmy did it you know what's the what's the difference um what's the other one too and just like a various of shit in every damn time in the comment section right so i'm like it's kind of funny how this would happen i'm like and the thing about it is sometimes it's about association like you know what i'll put it this way when you have more faces that look familiar to you you're going to get interested in it though like you know i was watching this old interview with um with Arsenio Hall and Vanilla Ice, right? And I remember watching Arsenio Hall as a kid, and I'm like, wow, that's a different crowd when Vanilla Ice showed up. You know? Same thing can be said about Eminem, you know? Not the same thing for Ari the Rugged Man, though. So, there's a nuance there. Yeah, there's a nuance there. Yeah. Ari's different, though. Ari's, Ari's a different breed. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Did you hear, like, his, um, did you hear the version he did of uh, WAP? No, I haven't yet. I gotta listen to that. You know what he did a, you know it's very self-referential. Like he is like, he starts off with, "Hold on, I gotta do this quick. My kids are in the other room." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. And he even shows some love to Blowfly, so he knows his history. Not saying M doesn't either, but you know, it's one of those things where I kind of feel like, um, I'm gonna put this. <sighs> I can't figure the right way to put this, but bottom line is this. When you find faces that can relate to you and vice versa, I can see that. Like, um, so now I'm starting to see more people say, Did you know my sister was at a Tharp? I was like, I'm very familiar. You might be late to the party, but I'm glad you showed up nonetheless. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's why I always saw bands like The Smirk, Bad Rabbits, hell, throw back to 27 Spies. You know, when they had that R&B influence, I kind of felt like, Yo, if you think rock is a bunch of uh, scary ass white boys jumping on and down having a conniption, check these bands out exactly you know and and we're and and if anything we've we've paved the way for bands like that because you're going to see a lot more bands like the smirk you're going to see a lot more bands like bad rabbits after our next album yeah um Uh (laughs) you know what i had this weird theory that in 2014 i noticed that there are certain acts that were trying to they were trying to sneak into r&b but it's like it didn't work you know, but I'm like, the missing ingredient was bands like Bad Rabbits, what they were doing. They had that missing ingredient. Same thing with the Smirk, you know. Like, um, so I can totally see, like, this wave of bands with a more of an R&B influence, you know. And I can totally see that happening. It, it makes sense. You know, because, cool. you know, it's like, um, because, hell, it's like, um, I'll put it this way. People always compare my band to the Bell Rays, you know. And it's weird because every damn time it's always the same model: black lead singer and white guy on guitar. And if you know what I look like, I look like Omar Gooding. Okay. Hey, I'm very self-aware. I got like I got that. Was like, are you, you know, I look Omar Gooding. I got like three times in a day. Was like, yes, I'm very aware. Um, point being is, um, shit. It's like a when I was slimmer, yeah. But it's like I I didn't see either till like my sister made like this um this picture of Omar like those little like um. You know, you get like a little, the little collage things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, my sister made one. I was like, oh, like, oh son of a bitch. She like sucked. She snuck a picture of Omar in there. And you're yes. Like, and, like y'all just flipping through shit. And you exactly. Stop for a second. You're like, yo, that, that, is that me? My my friends have done that with me before. They're taking pictures of Yasin Bey 
and like put him next to mine they're like yo do you see how you look like him or try to look like him i'm like yo y'all niggas didn't have to get at me like that i do not look anything like him and but but people would say that i look more like pos come to think about it you know that's a damn i've heard that name in years that's my boy steph is my boy that's, that's my another boy. guy i don't th- it was pos i remember he was trying to do the rap and rock thing right yeah yeah for me he did he's, not he's, get it you don't you don't think he got it right no 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 no. he got it right i just don't feel like he got enough credit for getting it right yo this is why i'm, I'm gonna say this tomorrow i'm gonna put like i want to post it now but like i know i won't get no engagement i'm gonna post it tomorrow people need to give pos his flowers now this dude like if it wasn't for pos we wouldn't see dudes like death grips like motherfuckers who push the envelope pos is a genuine article he is and forever will be the genuine article for a lot of this movement, for the for the alternative hip hop, for anything, indie hip hop, for heavy, hardcore, like whatever you want to call it. He literally is the original genuine article and we need to give him his flowers at all times. He really is. Because I remember when yeah. I first saw him, it was in a video on Fuse where I'm like, oh, shit, I don't feel as alone now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, we, we, we did, uh, we did a couple of shows with Doomtree, um, his whole crew, uh, South by Southwest. I got to find it. I, I know there's a video somewhere and people were like, yo, you and you and, um, you and POS look alike. And I was like, yeah, he's a brother that I always wanted. <laughs> nice. Cause we, we are, I think, I, I think I'm older than him, which is crazy, but, but with me, with my band, I always kind of, I always kind of described them as church kids that discover sin and whiskey. You know, me and like a shit, because I remember like um, there's only like that kind of that kind of energy and everything, right? One band I was, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to do a show with y'all, but I, but it was like definitely at the right time because when y'all were basically, you know, when hitting every, when you're really hitting everything, right? It's like the band is aware still kind of blooming and whatnot, right? So I'm like, mm-hmm. shit, you know. Well, it's always a matter. It's only a matter of time. Yeah. Honestly. To tell you the truth, like if we ever do, if we ever do a tour, I know some. I know Shield is gonna want to make it more of a black rock thing because we had, um, like our last couple of shows, we've had hardcore bands open for us. Um, K- uh, Keonashi, they opened for us in Boston. Um, damn, I can't remember the band that opened for us in, in LA. But if you look up our, our LA show, you'll see. God damn it! What's the name of that fucking band? It's gonna kill me now. But we've 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 always we've always like maintained trying to like show our love for the scene that we love the most, which is Af- the Afropunk scene and and the Warp Tour scene. Those two scenes blend together, but mostly black kids we we want we want to create a safe space or we have created a safe space for black rock kids to enjoy and they they may have not discovered us yet and that's why i'm still doing this because i feel like i haven't done anything until i see that front row full of black faces when i see when i see my crowd and it's it's no longer peppered with black but it's peppered with white. Then I'll then I'll retire. Then I'll know that I did something right. You know what? 
I'll tell you right now, I was um, checking a living color with the road crew, right? That yeah. being like, you know, my family and I, right? And also my bandmates, we all, we all go to shows like together, right? When mm-hmm. I go to my band, I call it, I, I call it basically like band field trips. It's almost like um, marriage counseling in a way, right? Yeah. So what happened was, you know, I know the guys that live in color. Vernon's cool as shit, you know, great dude. So I said, yo, I'm rolling through. I'm bringing, I'm bringing the road crew, right? And what happened was, so one thing I noticed about it was the difference between 2009 and 2019, literally a decade difference. Mm-hmm. I saw a, it was a lot more of a melanated crowd. So you're getting closer to seeing yeah. that. You're getting way closer yeah. to seeing that. We're going. We're going. We're we're going to. I just want to see it in Boston. I want to see. I want to see like black goth girls at my shows. You know what? I want to see. He's I getting... want to see hardcore kids at my shows. I want to see freaking skate skateboard dudes at my shows. But I I want them to be brown, black, and other. I'm not saying anything against white people. I'm just tired of dealing with the fear that some of my fans, because they are Trump supporters. And I don't, like, I'll make jokes about Trump and I got to deal with the aftermath on on, on Twitter after that. I don't want to deal with that. Understood. I want to deal with that. And as much as people don't want to say it, like, there's a lot of problematic white people more than there are problematic black people. Period, point blank. And those problematic white fans are very toxic. As much as they like our music, they just want me to play music. They don't want me to talk the things I want to talk. And I realized that after 2000, after 2014, after the election. They damn near killed it. They, they damn near are killing it. Yeah. If you think about it, like yeah. I could I could play. And I hope you put this in. I could play metal to my hip hop friends, to my friends who are MCs and producers. They'll sit back and listen to Meshuggah and be like, yo, this is dope. But if I played hip hop for some metal kids, they got something, they got something like something already like subtly racist to say. Always. Metalheads to me are just skinheads with longer hair. And it's sad because I know a lot of metalheads that literally just happen to be white they they just happen to be a white skin but they share the same viewpoints as me the same crazy part you know and that's it's like but those ones that you know and i know they're not in abundance i used to i made a joke today with one of my friends i was like there's 30 cool white people in the whole world and i know two of them you know what i'm saying because there's so many problematic problematic white folks in every scene, in every genre, in every fan base. You get a group of them. And, and it's just very annoying. And they, like as much as people don't want to say it, being a black man in the scene, you have to be vocal about what you see. Because this country has never been vocal in a good way about me. So why should I be vocal in a good way about them? Or about it, about America? So if I see something, I'm going to say it. I'm not going to be like, this one kid said to me on Facebook, I outed him too. He said to me, oh, I remember when you guys weren't racist and you had white people in your band. Now you just are militant. All because I said Trump supporters are racist. After seeing an abundance amount of information, an, like an abundance of information 
leading to the leading to my 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 critique and this kid literally said that to me and i still I, I literally was like all right i just outed him and everybody denounced it everybody denounced that kid but i'm like how many of y'all are still out there how many trump supporting fucks like bad rabbits but they just want me to just sing and dance and not talk about politics and not wear a Colin Kaepernick jersey on stage. Like that shit is problematic. And until we get rid of that, until we get rid of that, we won't have a real cool scene. Always going to have conflict. But truth be told, a lot of times it's a fan base that can really, you know, be shitty, you know? Yeah. And I've already dealt with the anti Semite stuff. Because of how my stance on Farrakhan, I've already I've already been called all types of racist, and even my band members at the, at the time it was a good period of time back in 2014, 2015, where I was too political and I was too problematic, and I pissed off so many people because I wasn't taking any I wasn't taking any apologies. I wasn't taking any. If you talk sideways, regardless if I knew you for 20 years. If you said all oh, Black Lives Matter, but I'm already on your ass. So, so that was that was a that was a big issue for me. And um, then American Nightmare came out, and everybody was cool because we kind of at that point flushed out the toxic elements of our band and management, and went about went about shit our own way. And that's how it's going to continue to be. I am never, ever, I'm telling you this right now, sir. I am never, ever going to be uh, uh, tight-lipped. I'm, I'm, if, if something happens on the day of the show, before the show, a month before the show, I will definitely make a statement. I will definitely make a statement. And I will go out of my way. I don't care if white people bought our tickets for $120. I don't care. If you don't like what I'm about to say, you can leave and thank you for coming. Thank you for buying your ticket. But I'm going to say what I'm going to say because I care about my people more than I care about anybody else. More than I care about you, I care about my the betterment of my people because this whole country has been trying to demonize, criminalize, and dehumanize my people since its inception. So you can't tell me any different. You can't tell me all live, all Black Lives Matter, but you can't tell me I'm making everything a race thing. You can't tell me any of that. I am always going to speak on the betterment of my people. And that includes trans people, that includes uh, uh, gay, queer, LGBTQIA+. That includes, that includes everyone. If you're Black and you're one of, and you're any of that, best believe I'm going to bat for you. Period, point blank. I don't care if it costs my goddamn career. I will always say what I need, what needs to be said. I don't care about it. I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care about the repercussions because I was raised to speak out, to speak truth to power. And I'm always going to speak truth to power. And if I ever get to a position where I can speak absolute truth to absolute power, oh, I will. And I'll do it on stage in you know, Kanye rant fashion. What will Rage Against the Machine do? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm and I'm still pussy compared to that. Excuse me. 
not pussy. Dude, you I'm can say what the fuck you want. No, nah, but but put, but comparing comparing pussy to weakness is whack because that's a good point. Pussy, pussy is literally the strongest thing in the world. Creates it, it really, literally kids, it really kids come out of it. Exactly. So, um, I was going to say uh, something awful too, but I'm trying to be nicer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but like it, it it would be it would be it would be weak. I'm still weak in thought and theory compared to uh to compared to Zach Delaroca and Rage Against the Machine. But I will always always push the envelope. Always push I always cross the line. If especially if you draw a line and say, dude, don't talk about this tonight. I'm talking about it. All day, every day. You know what that reminds me of too? What? Marvin Gaye. He was not always doing what's going on. He was basically mm-hmm. the nice, charming young man doing "Ain't That Peculiar." Mm-hmm. And you know, then he came out with yeah, and yeah, you exactly. So shit. So it's always going to be somebody speaking on there. So it's almost in tradition. You know, if you have a platform and you know what's right and what's wrong, if you can influence, and I put it this way: the worst thing, one of the worst things one can do is retcon or rewrite somebody's history on here's what they probably would say no if they never say anything about that but now we have proof of what they would probably say about that or what they would say about that there you go you know yeah so yeah so what's got you on tiktok <laughs> huh no, it was, it, was, it was really intense and everything so it's like, so what's got you on, what's got you on tiktok <laughs> oh yeah 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 you've been you've been seeing you've been seeing my problematic posts they're fucking hilarious especially the one especially the one that look you see the one my favorite one of yours is the one with uh you roasted the shit out of the girl look like the fucking dolphin look like a dolphin you know the black chick to say she hated uh black guys or black girls oh like that. oh and you yeah, roasted you know, the fuck at her the, the, this is the worst part this is the worst part okay this is why i went in hard on her okay She's Ghanaian. She's she's from she's from my father's country. Her her, her last name is 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 Ghanaian AF. It's Ghanaian as fuck. Oh. So we don't raise self-hating blacks. That's not that's not that's not something we do. But we do have a lot of them. And um I had I used to have a family member who used to talk exactly like her but like less problematic but like just leaning toward white folks more leaning toward white acceptance more than acceptance from your own and that strikes a nerve of me every time because i never once wanted white acceptance i just really liked certain types of music that white people introduced me to so i was always called the white boy so you know by black kids and white kids so that she would that she would get under my skin so when i see people like that my whole process changes my whole thought process i'm i'm a i'm a, a vicious person because i can't see how, why you could look at yourself and look at other people who have the same skin color as you and say that you're dirty you're ugly when in reality it looks like you've been eating bricks your whole life <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah like i can't deal with i can't deal with people talking trash about black women i i'll never I, like, it it aggravates the shit out of me all right and yeah i date white girls 
I've dated more white girls than black girls. So what? But at the end of the day, I will never, ever, 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 ever in my black ass, African ass life ever say that white women are better than black women or black women are trash. I'll never do that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, And for her to come out on this whole thing and talk shit about her own people, I had to give it to her. I can't, stand, I can't stand I can't stand people like that. And like I, I realize what TikTok is now. It is a um is a mirror on America. It's a mirror on America. You're never going to find people with with the same like-minded views on your few page. You're never gonna find it. Um you're always gonna run into some craziness and then you're gonna talk about it. You're gonna get angry. It's a conversation starter, and it's also uh, it's probably going to be the 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 end of American society as we know it. I guarantee it. Because the way these people, the, the way they let white people talk rampant and blatant racist bullshit and, and leave it up for, for months on end, there's guys on here talking all this crazy stuff about Colin Kaepernick that got literally, that literally, there was one guy called Snaggletooth, whatever his name is, He's all he does is just talk trash about black people. There's another girl who just talks trash about black. He's anti-black, and and it stays up there. So if anything, it's it's going to be the thing that kind of sets people off. I like it because I've been able to articulate myself a lot better than just insulting people like I used to. Now I get into it. I think about what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say, and I, I'm more constructive about it. And it helps my car, it helps my thought process and theory. But if anything, I really do feel that it's 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 going to be a detriment because it's showing America's ugly right now. It's never showing it never shows America beautiful beautiful. You know what I'm saying? It's just a whole bunch of white people appropriating black people and black people making cooler trends and then white people people amplifying those trends and then trying to claim it as their own. That's all it is. That's all it is. You know, Duo's one of those guys where you just met him, but you end up catching up with him. I'm going to have him back on the show soon, but check out Bad Rabbits on all streaming platforms. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe to the show. Until next time, take it easy.